What's going on, fans? Welcome to the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassigan. With me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni. Guys, how is, your, how is our fantasy teams going? Uh, is, is everything okay? Let's not talk about it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is a little salty because somebody missed some kicks uh, during their games, and uh, hopefully you fantasy owners have recovered from what has been a really rough week uh, in terms of injuries. We'll get into that as we go through the games. Uh, this week, folks, we're going to obviously review uh, the second week of the NFL season. We'll talk about going into week three next week, but we're also going to talk about is it time to hit the panic button, or is it time for patience for certain teams around the NFL? We'll each have a pick for that, and we'll also get into the Hall of Fame ballot. The initial ballot of 122 names was released uh, this past week, so we will get into who is deserving, who could get in on the first ballot, guys that were finalists last year that didn't make it, who should. We'll get into all of that discussion coming in again and folks if you want to listen back on this podcast or any of our podcasts here at football game plan search football game plan in the podcast section and check out the fcs opening drive podcast as well as all of our previous nfl all 32s we have the nfl all 32 tv show as well if you're in the new york area on the game plus network 6 30 p.m is when we have our scheduling on wednesday thursday and friday for college the pros and everything in between so keep an eye out for that and again you can follow all of us on Twitter, we will have that as we uh, in the description. And here. don't forget to check out the Go Go Offense at footballgameplan.com slash go go offense. Pick up your copy today. Learn about one of the more innovative offenses in football. Another cheap plug for your for your own book. Cheap, it all- pays to, to plug. We've been selling these books like hotcakes, man. The, the, the books have been flying. So, and again, most of them are going. Well, thank you to- guys for getting all your copies too. Like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> that's right. We are poor recent that's graduates of college. Right. We don't have money for that. Come on shots now. Fired, man. Jeez. And we're starting it off with a beauty here, folks. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's start into week two. Um, and again, a lot of games to talk about. Let's start though with the Thursday night game. Emery, Buccaneers twenty to fourteen over the Panthers. Nine straight starts uh, with a loss for Cam Newton. Is this the end of the Panthers uh, quarterback? I don't think so, uh, but it's a great showing for the Bucks defense. They did a great job in, in limiting a lot of what Cam Newton was able to do and what Christian McCaffrey was able to do in that ballgame. So this was a this was much about the Bucks defense as it was about the Panthers offense. A little case of deja vu at MetLife Stadium for the Buffalo Bills. Same stadium, same result. They beat the Giants 28-14. Eli Manning, no help again, but no help for this Giants defense. Absolutely not. I mean, Josh Allen went out there and the defense made him look like an all-star. The Giants could arguably be the second worst team in the league. And Eli Manning did them no favors starting the game off one for seven. You heard calls for Daniel Jones to, in the preseason. You're going to hear a lot more. It's getting louder and louder from week to week. Uh, the Ravens 2-0 to start the year. We knew they were going to be good. Maybe not this good, but Lamar Jackson with another great game. Another good game, too, for Titan and Mark Andrews. Second consecutive game with 100-plus receiving yards. They knock off the Cardinals 23-17. Yeah, the two of them have really built up a nice chemistry with one another. But Lamar Jackson, there's nothing else really you could say. 272 yards, two touchdowns in the air, including a third-down dime in the second Oof. half up the sideline on third and short. A play, that, a throw that you see a guy like Tom Brady and those upper echelon players make. He puts a dime on, gets the first down. Um, also adds 120 yards on the ground. Just to remind everybody that maybe he is a running back. <laughs> yeah, I think he is a throw. running back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Cincinnati, where 
The Bengals are not off to a good start, but the 49ers certainly are. For the first time since 2012, they put up 500 total yards, and they crushed Cincinnati 41-17. This 49ers offense is for real. Debo Samuel is their number one receiver, in my opinion, and has to start being treated as such because, to me, he's their playmaker. He's a guy that can play all three receiver positions and also – uh, you want the ball in his hands so you can use him in a run game if you want to get creative. So shout out to San Francisco for making light work of the Bengals. A nice day for the Detroit Lions. Nice little comeback game for them. They hit the Chargers 13-10. to Good day for uh, Ken- uh, Kenny Galladay. Eight catches for 117. Lions looking better or was it still kind of a meh performance? I think it was still a, a meh performance. They can do better. Um, I thought this rushing game would have done better, especially since the Chargers allowed uh, Marlon Mack to go off against them last week. But the char- it just seemed the Chargers didn't want it yeah. when it came down to it. You had Austin Eckler fumbling at the one-yard line, Phillip Rivers throwing that pick in the end zone. I, I-, I chalk this up to the Chargers losing. Let's move on to the nation's capital, but it's the 2-0 Cowboys. America's team 2-0 for the second time in the last 10 years. They knock off the Redskins 31-21. This is a Cowboys team that's just having fun. Yeah, it was a slow start, but then they got rolling. And Dak Prescott uh, answered the bill, having another big day. Just four incompletions on the day, 269 and three touchdowns. Not really much more to say about Dak Prescott and this offense. They look for real. Let's move on to Tennessee now. Two teams that were surprising in week one. A good ball game here. Kind of a defensive struggle. 19-17, the Colts over the Titans. All of a sudden, though, it's almost like Jacoby Brissett was a decent quarterback. Three touchdowns. That's a career high. When I look at Jacoby Brissett juxtaposed to Marcus Mariota, you have to like the Titans situation. I'm sorry, the Colts situation moving forward. Uh, Mariota has to consistently play better. Granted, he was under duress, but you would expect the guy, you know, with his cachet to be to be a lot better than what he has been so far in his career do you think this is a titans team that's underperforming though do you think they had this game in the bag if mariota plays better it's a case where they probably was reading the press clippings you know they yeah. just came off beat a beat down of the browns and you know probably start to feel themselves and and didn't prepare for this as good as they should have been for this colts defense a uh, big loss and more ways than one for the steelers they lose 28 26 to the seahawks who are 2-0 Steelers 0-2 for the first time since 2013, and as of this recording, we have heard Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Steelers are now in very big trouble. They definitely are, but even in this game when Roethlisberger was there, they didn't look that good against the Seattle Seahawks. That yep. that Steelers' de- pass defense is looking kind of bad, especially against the Seahawks team who wants to run first. Russell Wilson throws for 300 with three touchdowns, and DK Metcalf had a nice juggle touchdown in that one. Nice. I was about to say nice game for the Seahawks. They're gonna everybody's gonna talk about the gloom and doom in Pittsburgh, but Seahawks. Much better than people expected, I think, to start with. Uh, another team that's good to start with is the Packers. First time 2-0 since 2015, and two wins in division. They knock off the Vikings 21-16. All this talk about the Packers losing this division to the Bears or the Vikings, maybe a little overrated after the first two weeks. Yeah, big-time win for the division. Um, and Aaron Rodgers and that offense looked a lot better than they did in Week 1. And another big game for Aaron Jones, 116 yards and a touchdown on the ground. They're going to need him to be that guy if this offense is going to click. We knew week one was bad, and we knew week two was going to be worse, but uh, we didn't expect this bad. Patriots 43 nothing over the Dolphins. Patriots start for uh, the 10th time 2-0 and in the Brady-Belichick era. This Dolphins team is rock bottom, and they get, they're they they're drilling for oil now. They're going below rock bottom and finding their way to the core of the earth right now. There should be no reason why Josh Rosen isn't the starter at QB for Miami. And if you're Brian Flores, you just saw what happened to Ty Bowles, 
You just saw what happened to uh, Steve Wilkes. You just saw what happened to Hugh Jackson. All guys last year started rookie quarterbacks. Despite what the front office and PR staff says, you have to find ways to win. Otherwise, it could be a short stint as a head coach for Flores. He has to get this turned around. And it looks like the the, uh, rumors that we reported in week one might have been true with players uh, looking for trades out of Miami already. Texans 13-12 over Jacksonville. A defensive struggle. Deshaun Watson, though, carrying the team as well for Houston. Yeah, this was a good defensive game on both sides of the ball. And we saw Gardner Minshew. We talked about him last week, how he came into the game and did pretty well. He doubled that this week. I think he fared well for himself as well. But the coach down there decided to go for two instead of taking it to overtime and lost because Fournette couldn't get in the end zone. And, and a good Texans defense as well. Hard for a rookie quarterback only making his first start uh, in that sort of situation. Chiefs 28-10 over the Raiders. The Chiefs continue to look like they're playing a lifelike game of Madden. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was pretty ordinary in, in quarter number one. Not so much in the second quarter. Where did that come from? I got to say for the Raiders, that for three quarters, they uh, they held it down. I yeah, mean, they, they did well. They did pretty yeah. well. But that second quarter was a Madden cheat code, what Patrick Mahomes was able to do. <laughs> uh, 443 and four touchdowns. And the chunk of that coming in just the one quarter was just absolutely disgusting yeah that's Mahomes that's his seventh straight road game with three plus passing touchdowns that's insane uh Chicago Bears win on a last minute field goal 16-14 over the Broncos a 53 yarder from Eddie Pinheiro Bears one and one recovered well but the offense is still not clicking man they are legitimately playing 10 on 11 with you know football because of what they're not getting from Mitch Trubisky in that passing game. Mm. And as much as people talk about the analytics, people talk about, oh, David Montgomery, pro football focus, as he led the nation in missed tackles, 3.5 yards a carry this week, 3.2 yards a carry last week. How about they do the right thing and give a guy that averaged five yards a carry to football into Rick Cohen? Uh, hey, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I You've been preaching his name for years. Uh, St. Louis, uh, the uh, Saints set a 9-27 loss to the Rams. A good day for the Rams. Cooper Cup coming back off that ACL injury. Had 100-plus receiving yards for the first time since week four of last year. But a big loss for the Saints as well. Drew Brees out for at least six weeks with a thumb injury. Yeah, that's going to be an important six weeks for the Saints, and that's going to hurt. Teddy Bridgewater came into the game, and he just didn't look like he was comfortable. He really didn't get things rolling in that offense. Once Brees went down, the game was over. The Rams were rolling the entire game. That Cooper Cup touchdown, 66-yard touchdown, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. A lot of great moves there from the former Eastern Washington Eagle. Uh, And last night, the Sunday night game, Falcons taking on the Eagles. A good ball game here, uh, but it's the Falcons 24-20 over the Eagles. Julio Jones, now the all-time uh, leader in receiving yards for Atlanta's franchise history looked much better in this game as they did to week one. Yeah, they did. And uh, Julio bailed them out at the end with that big screen pass that he takes to the house. Um, but Matt Ryan, on a number of occasions, threw this game away. Uh, couldn't read the Eagles' defense, uh, the Eagle blitz, and uh, threw a couple of late interceptions, but they did make the final play in the end to pull it out. Certainly did that, and obviously, folks, we are recording this before the Monday night game tonight. Browns uh, taking on the Jets at MetLife Stadium. Anybody got uh, anything we should watch for in this Monday night game for the uh, listeners at home? Defense. When you look at uh, Greg Williams having the familiarity with the Browns organization, (laughs) having been there last year, but also Freddie Kitchens having familiarity with Greg Williams' defense, having been there last year as well. So good chess match between the coaches. Certainly a lot of uh, uh, media headlines as well. A lot of Browns players calling out uh, Coach Williams and his obviously checkered history. We'll be interested to see how the 
officials respond to that. Troy, you got anything to watch on this? It's interesting how the line jumped when Darnold was out. The line was at about two points before the announcement that Darnold would be missing the game. Now it's jumped up to six and a half, seven points. That's a huge difference. I feel it's not going to be that big of a difference between Darnold and Simeon because Simeon knows this offense. He's been there for a while, Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be a closer game than what people are, are giving him credit for. Alex? Yeah, my addition is the the Jets secondary. Um, it's definitely not among the top in the league, uh, and you're going against a team that's going to want to air raid, especially with the rough week they had week one. They want to make a statement, the Browns, uh, and they want to cut the throat. The Jets defense, specifically Trumaine Johnson, has to step up in this game as he's yeah. probably going to be shadowing Odell all week, all game. It's going to be an interesting game to be sure. Uh, we'll obviously, we'll keep an eye on that tonight. But let's get into uh, the main part of this podcast here, guys, and let's talk about the – Hall of Fame. The initial ballot uh, was released uh, just this past week. 122 names on that list. Obviously, last year, um, a really good class. Uh, guys like Ed Reed, Kevin Mawai, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey. There's a chance for a really good class again this year. And let's talk about some of the guys who were finalists to start things off with who didn't make it. And I want to see which of these guys you think should be deserving this year. And so the finalists that didn't get in, uh, Edward James, Isaac Bruce, Tony Baselli, Al- Alan Fanica, Steve Hutchinson, Richard Seymour, Steve Atwater, and John Lynch. All these guys are tremendous players. Obviously making it to the final ballot. Didn't get in. How many of them do you think gets in this time around? Well, this year they, uh, they're going to do something unique for the 100th year. They're going to allow 20 guys to go in. Usually it's between five and seven yeah. or less than seven or what have you. Um, I thought last year Baselli should have gone in, Fanica should have gone in. I thought those two guys were were tremendous talents you know, along the offensive line. I don't know why John Lynch is a finalist for the Hall of Fame, Oof. especially in conjunction when you have Steve Atwater there. Can't I can't remember a signature John Lynch play. John Lynch was a very good player, but Hall of Fame worthy? I don't know. Um, so everyone else, you could, you know, you could shake in the bag. But I thought last year we would have seen Mawai, Fanica, and Baselli should get the same benefit of the doubt that you give uh, Terrell Davis and, you know, um, Gail Sayers mm. for, yeah, his career was cut short. But when he played, he dominated. Yeah, I think that with – I think that the Hall of Fame is going to be able to cheat a little bit this year right. with the extra inductees. Yeah. They're going to be able to get a lot of guys in who have been on the list for a while just waiting to get in. But some players who – need to get in this time around i'm gonna go with isaac bruce and steve hutchinson now these are guys when you hear their name you think hall of fame off the bat and it's surprising to me that they're still on the board yeah for me uh one of these players that needs to get in i can't believe he's not in yet it's very un- overlooked i'm not gonna say terrell owen status that he didn't get in right away but a guy like zach thomas you put up his numbers next to guys like brian Erlecker and other players around uh he's in the top five in tackles top five in a lot of play- um a lot of spots, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro. Not even a finalist last and year. Not even a finalist. So, I mean, that's I, – I, to me, Ty, you can look at a guy like Erlacher or another and put up their numbers next to what Zach Thomas does just because yeah. he what, didn't have the name and he's not – and that's, that's to me, is a, is a crime there. I mean, I, I always think with these Hall of Fame votes, it's, it's the workmanlike positions that always get overlooked. Like with the NFL, it's always the linemen. The linemen really never get the credit uh, in terms of this. So a guy like Alan Fanica, I'm, I'm shocked that he wasn't in last year. A lot of like, not so much. Nobody mentioned Edron James in here, like at, in that first section. There is there a reason? Is he 
again, is he one of these guys where you can't really remember a play, or is it, you know, obviously he was part of some really good teams, but maybe he just wasn't an individual performer. No, he's dope. He should be in, uh, you know, but when you... when you Overshadowed by Manning, though, for a lot of it. Nah, I think you look at how he came in. They, they traded a Hall of Famer in Falk to draft Edron James, and he yeah. hit the ground running, literally, and he was outstanding. He was actually... You know, he, he was Falk-like in his approach of being that dual-threat uh, runner and receiver. So he was tremendous. It's just that when you pose the question that way, you know, which guys should have been in last year, I think you could make a stronger case for Fanica and Baselli more so than James. Now, when you look at the list of 122 that we have in front of us, uh, you know, obviously you could always debate which guys shouldn't be in. I, I was – of the mindset that a guy like Kurt Warner got in way too soon. Way too easily, do you Way think? too easily. All, I think a lot of his uh, way to get in was because he's on TV. Yeah. Uh, because, again, we talked about, like, you have the two great years in, in St. Louis. Then you have the one bad year in St. Louis. We got benched for Mark Bolger. Then mm. six years of nothing in the middle. And then one bad year in Arizona. The great year where he brought them to the Super Bowl – then another bad year in Arizona. So what are we rewarding? You know, yeah, yeah. he was great, but he was great for two years. Um, and I think when you look at, like, some of these quarterbacks that they have on the list, I, I feel, you could make a strong case for Boomer Esiason. I think McNabb should be in. Randall Cunningham. You could make a case for Cunningham. I think those are the obvious ones on at this quarterback list. Um, Not Jake DeLone? Nah, Jake DeLone. Jake, that's <laughs> like putting uh, – I think if you put – the fact that DeLome is on this list is questionable at best. That's like you could make a case more so for Garcia than DeLome, and neither should be on this list. <laughs> you know, because DeLome, I mean, when you think of the NFL, and it's not knocking their career. Yeah. I mean, DeLome is a raging Cajun. If anybody should be high on this. And a New Orleans Saint. He was a New Orleans Saint. So it's like I should make the case for DeLome. But, I mean, what if you look at his stats – what stands out about them? The fact that he got the Panthers to the Super Bowl, so did Kerry Collins, or close to Kerry Collins, got them to the NFC Championship game, um, and he also has a, a team in the Super Bowl in the Giants, and he's not even on this list and has more passing yards than Delhomme. So why Delhomme is on this list is 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 the bigger question. Hostetler the same way, you know. Why is Hostetler on this list? You know, yeah. as far as uh, you know, a fine, you know, the the preliminary list of of guys. So. I think the the running back debate is always uh, the one that, that no one wants to have. There's a ton of guys. That Herschel be Walker is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Herschel yeah. Walker is not in the Hall of Fame. Tell me how. Well, I'll, I'll make that case for Herschel Walker. I'm a big Herschel Walker fan. Uh, if he hadn't spent his first three years in the USFL, which he dominated, right. um, that's three years of his NFL career that we don't have. But if, other, if you use other players playing in the USFL as a barometer – Jim Kelly, uh, Sam Mills, yeah. Reggie White. It was a great league, and Herschel Walker dominated. Plus, Herschel Walker, uh, as a all-purpose player, is like top five all-time. Yeah. So, yeah, he didn't do it as a tailback. As a kick returner, though. Kick returner. Uh, he played a little uh, fullback, a little H-back. Um, his total yards is impressive. And, the, you know, the few years, the one year where they gave him the ball as the lead dog – in, in an offense, he led the NFC in rushing, and that was 88 with the Cowboys. So Herschel should be in. I mean, but yeah. there's the, Alexander should be in. Portis could be in. 
Barber, I think, is underrated. Should be in. Eddie George should be in. Dylan. So there's a give me Mike Allstott. You talk about guys who are the best at his position. There was no better fullback in the last 25 years than Mike Allstott or Daryl Johnson. So I was going to say, Dave, yeah. you're going to mention Allstott. You got to mention Daryl Johnson. The, the, those are the two. I mean, the, the, of those two, and Lorenzo Neal are the, are the three real fullbacks, true fullbacks in this running back. And the national hate for Fred Taylor is just beyond me. I, Fred Taylor, arguably one of the best backs of my generation, and he's just overlooked constantly. Priest Holmes, same way. Priest Holmes had some great years in Kansas City. Eddie George, you can put that argument up too. Like the running back is, you've got 19 running backs on the Y'all talk about fullbacks and forgot to mention Larry Sanders. Like that was your ideal. He was a a bit of, before his time, you know, the receiving fullback. Yeah. So, I mean, the the running back position, that's that's a debate. But I'd be interested to see what you guys' thoughts on like the rest of this, this list. You know, there's a bunch of guys. There's 20 people getting in with over 100 names on this list. We can arguably say 50 of them should be in this right. time around. Yeah, it's going to make it, I think, almost a little more controversial now that there's 20 because then it's going to be, after you put in the 20, it's going to be like, you're telling me this person couldn't make the top 20? Why are they when, still on the list? Right, exactly. And then that's, So that this could go back to bite them, even though I do like the idea of putting more people in because there's clearly more than what the normal five to seven, yeah. as you were saying, that deserve to be in, should be in. Because here's the thing, too. There's guys, this is just a preliminary list of maybe some new uh, names and, and things of that nature, but there's guys that are what we call – uh, your senior candidates, that's not on this list. That should be in. Ken Riley, uh, defensive back for long-time defensive back for the Bengals, has like 80-something interceptions in his career. Not in, you know. So, why again, why is John Lynch on this list? Um, you look at Merton Hanks, good player, but is he a Hall of Famer? You know, I, let's just yeah. look at defensive backs. I think Hall of Famers on this list are another criminally underrated player, Leroy Butler, Atwater, Eric Allen, Rondi Barber, uh, Tim McDonald, underrated player, uh, Palomalu. Bob Sanders is an interesting case. You can make a case because, you know, injury. But Darren Woodson, you know, uh, Harrison. They're, so, I, you know, Alba no. Lewis is a really good corner too, by the way. Uh, he's a, I, I would put him in the same breath as Eric Allen. I uh, play a lot with those Chiefs teams uh, in, a, in the 90s and stuff like that. So, what about Clay Matthews, linebacker from the Browns? I think he's I think he's a Hall of Famer, but to me he's more of a Hall of. It's like rewarding. He's been he was great, yeah. but it's like you also rewarding longevity in the same breath. True, you know. But with, at the linebacker position, like it, there's a difference between longevity at the kicker position and longevity at the linebacker position. Like to play that long at linebacker, that's that's much more impressive. Bar, how how much of a was at a high Hall of Fame level? Now Matthews sure. was great. Yes, don't get me wrong, but I think you know Alex made a great point with Zach Thomas and Jesse Tuggle, another one that no one talks about. That yeah, was Mister Falcon for yeah. a long time at that position. Sam Mills should be in another USFL uh, star. I, I just you know I don't I don't I think this is a, a tougher. Uh, debate at linebacker than anything. There's a number of names on this linebacker list that played for a stretch of time and were lights out at their position, considered top five. Teddy Bruschi. Takeo Spikes. Yeah. Spielman. Now, London guy, Fletcher. Yeah. A guy that I like, but I, I don't know if he has enough years, but when he was on the field, he was so dominant. Patrick Willis. That's a guy that it was only seven or eight years, but though, of like those seven or eight years, like five or six were just the best linebacker in football. So it's 
you know, it's like, well, where, is, where do you cut yeah. it out? Well, he is on that list. Let's talk about some of the first-timers. There are seven first-time players on the ballot this year. Patrick Wills is one of them. A lot of defensive players here. There's only two offensive players. We'll get to them in a second. But Patrick Wills is in here, Justin Smith, John Abraham, Lance Briggs, another linebacker that gets overlooked, and Troy Polamalu. I mean, talk about dominant at his position. No one was a better safety in his time. Uh, and then the two offensive players, interesting ones, Reggie Wayne and Maurice Jones-Drew gets on the ballot here. Again, kind of interesting. And again, you talk about the 20 names getting in this year. Next year's class, next year's rookie class, is going to be insane. So if you're not going to get in this year, it may never happen for at least another five years. But there's a decent amount. These are good first-timers. I think Paul Amalu, I think we can all agree, is... First ballot, either first ballot or at least second ballot. I don't see how he doesn't get in this. Yeah, this time I, I think he's gonna be a first ballot. Reggie Wayne, thoughts? He's gonna have to wait. Like you to think me, he's Reggie, have to wait? oh, he's gonna have to wait, man, because it took Art Monk a, t- a long time to get in. Art Monk was outstanding. Reggie Wayne was a good player. I don't know if he was Hall of Fame. You know, I think that's more along the lines of. Uh, you know, are we rewarding him because we remember him playing with Peyton Manning and you know? Yeah, no, kind yeah. of like kind of like an Edron James. No, Edron James was look at look at where Edron James ranks in NFL history as far True. as rushing. But I, I, what I'm what I'm saying is in terms of the thought process because the quarterback gets the glory. So who was the big name on those Cole teams? Yes, it was Wayne James and Manning, but everybody only thinks about Manning. This is what happens. Here's a comparable. I would say, would you take Reggie Wayne or Tory Holt? Uh, and put them in the Hall of Fame. Out those two. I'd take Torrey Holt. I'd take Torrey Holt. Holt, too, yeah. Now, would you take Torrey Holt over Isaac Bruce? That's where it gets tricky. Right. <laughs> or would you take Torrey Holt over Jimmy Smith? Or would you put him in? Who's not on this list that should be in? For all these new Patriot fans we have, like. <laughs> w- don't you mean the ones that started as soon as a guy named <laughs> Brady right. somehow. If you don't remember <laughs> Stanley Morgan, then you're not a Patriots fan. Morgan and Irvin Fryer should be guys that I think are Hall of Famers. Um, but we know these new Patriot fans don't think the Patriots existed past, you know, or pre-2000, <laughs> right? Boston Patriots? What are those? Exactly. That's the team that must have fold. Here's the thing. If you're going to do, if you're going to put, you know, Reggie Wayne and Edron James in there, you might as well throw Jeff Saturday in the, into the mix, too, because without him, none of that happens. Why are you hating on Edron James? Like, I'm not hating on Edron You keep using him as a bad example. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that's a bad example. I'm saying that he was he should have been a Hall of Famer last year and wasn't for whatever reason. Now you bring in Reggie Wayne, who, as, as you said, was more of a part of the nucleus of those Colts teams. You might as well throw Jeff Saturday in there, who was easily one of the best centers to ever play. Like you might as well throw them in. I'm not. There's no knock at all against Edwin James. Edwin James is at least in the modern era, like the last 20 years, top 10, maybe top 15 running backs of all time. Edwin James right now is 13th on the all-time rushing list, behind Marshall Falk, Jim Brown, Dorsett, Dickerson. There you go. Adrian Peterson, who's active uh, still, and Bettis, Tomlinson, Martin. <laughs> I swear, fourth overall right now is. It's blowing my mind just to look at it. Frank Gore, know. you know Barry Sanders, <laughs> Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith. It's weird to see Frank Gore fourth, <laughs> yeah, and no, still it. playing like he's going to get fifteen thousand before. So he may even pass Barry Sanders because Barry Sanders right now is at fifteen thousand two hundred sixty nine, and Frank Gore is at fourteen thousand eight thirty six. So we could see, we could be, we could witness the third greatest rusher by yards in NFL history. In Frank Gore. And here's the thing with Frank Gore. He's only made it to five Pro Bowls. 
He was only selected to five Pro Bowls. He wasn't supposed to make it this far. With those, with multiple, <laughs> His last one was 2013. The multiple ACL injuries. Would he tear three times? Three times, like yeah. coming into the league. <sighs> it's amazing to see. what. So, yes, this dude has legitimately – now, he's not off to a great start. 30 carries for 88 yards no. so far. But, I mean – I would guess his worst year was his rookie year where he ran for 600. And then the next year after that, he almost ran for 1,700. If he gets 600 this year, he's third all time. So when you put Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders and Walter Payton, you you have to – got to throw Frank <laughs> Like of, all, of all the names that you had to throw in there, like oh, – Well, here's and, the thing. And you have these discussions about how do these guys make the list. Here's the thing. At some point, Eli Manning's going to be on this list. But as we've said numerous times, Listen, if he starts this year for the whole time, he's and already finishes, at one sixteen and one sixteen right now. If he if he finishes one game under five hundred, he's a sub five hundred career quarterback with two rings, and he'll get on the Hall of Fame ballot. If you put, but will he ever get? He's probably going to get in second ballot. You put Eli on this quarterback's list right now. Let's say you you know. Yeah. So the, let me throw out the list for the people who are listening here. So the seven quarterbacks that are on this list right now: Randall Cunningham, Jake Delhomme, Boomer Size, and Jeff Garcia. Jeff Hostetler, Dave Krieg, Donovan McNabb. So let's throw in Eli Manning into this list. Where does he rank in that group? Well, Eli Manning and Dave Craig are the same guy in my opinion because <laughs> Dave Craig played from 1980 to, to 98. Um, three-time Pro Bowler. So he's a, a compiler, as people like to say. He played a long time. So uh, his best years were in Seattle. You know, when Seattle was, you know, when he – in the weird Seahawks phase. The, when they were the kingdom phase of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of Seattle. Uh, but you don't ever remember Gr- Dave Craig being like a premier player in the league. You know, Although no. that 84 Seahawks team was great. They took Miami to the brink, and I think they were in the AFC Championship game that year. Um, so they could have gotten to a Super Bowl. But when you look at Eli Manning, are you putting him, him in over Ken Anderson, who should be in the Hall of Fame already, yeah. uh, quarterback for the Bengals, He's not even on the list. But again, that's what I'm saying. So you're going to have a lot of these senior <laughs> finalists. This 20 that they're going to say they're going to bring in, I would be willing to bet that 15 are going to be senior finalists. It's a way for them, like you guys talked about, to clean up that backlog yeah. uh, that they yeah. have. Because you can't put – I mean, get back into the, to get back to the question, I'm not putting Eli Manning in over Cunningham, Esiason, or McNabb. I wouldn't even put him in over Craig because Craig is at least over 500 his career. He was 98 and 77. I mean, but Craig played. That's like putting Steve the <laughs> Berg in. He's still over 500. The question is, how, how much do you value the Super Bowls and the Super Bowl MVPs? That's that's See, that's so, the question. So, so would you put Jeff Hotstetler in? No. I mean, he got Super Bowl. A Super Bowl. A Super Bowl. Mark Sanchez made it to back-to-back AFC Championship games. Obviously, he's in. On this <laughs> list right now. <laughs> Just completely. Mc- oh, Cunningham, <laughs> Cunningham, Esiason, McNabb, then Eli. See, here's the thing, though, because you have to – Fair enough. There's a difference between league Hall of Famers and team Hall of Famers. Dave Craig is a Seattle Hall of Famer. He is a Seattle Seahawk great. Eli Manning is a New York Giant great. Do you lift them above that level? Well – to NFL great. The only argument that can be made for Eli being more than the giant great is his numbers. He's in the postseason. No, no, the, just numbers the numbers period. overall. He's he's top ten in almost every statistical category, and, and he's go, and probably going to finish top five, and he's going to finish sub five hundred. So what do the numbers give you? Yeah, he's going like, to pass. He's going to pass Ben Roethlisberger this year. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, the the argument with that is sub five hundred, but then you go that this is an individual Hall of Fame, and yes, right. The record falls on him, but if his numbers are there to back it up, even though he played in this generation, so when you compare it to past, it's tough to do with numbers, but it is what it is. He's going to be a top ten in every big time quarterback stat, and I, that's what's important. I give you, he's he's probably going to finish sub five hundred, especially mm-hmm. with the way the Giants are looking. They're in rebuild for at least the next two years. Right. But what brought him to that sub-500 team? Was it his play, or was it the team around him? How many times has he had a legit defense? Well, you can make that argument for a lot of the guys, some of these quarterbacks on the list. You can talk, talk about Donovan McNabb. Yeah, who's you could. been his receivers? Yeah. Donovan McNabb also a, made it to four straight and, NFC titles. And never games. went to a Super Bowl. I never all, won a Super Bowl. The only time he went to the Super Bowl was when he had who? Terrell, Terrell Owens. Owens. Eli Manning has had good options. Not Hall of Fame options, but, but good really options. good options. Better than, yeah. than thrash in, in, in <laughs> Philly. Yeah, the thing you like, could give McNabb is that he went to three NFC Championship games without Terrell Owens, and his team was a competitive team without Terrell Owens, and it took Terrell Owens to get him to that level. True. For, right. for uh, Eli Manning, he had the two legitimate defenses, but he had better receivers throughout yeah. you know, going through that. I wouldn't even say they were legitimate defenses because I, I believe it was 2011, that Super Bowl between the Patriots was the 31st-ranked defense versus the 32nd-ranked defense. And what I'll give McNabb is he had defense around him. He was playing with Dawkins. He also had one of the best running backs in the league in Brian Westbrook bringing him, helping him True. get to those NFC championships. See, that's the thing you talk about the defense, too, because, again, this is what happens every time. Oh, it's the offensive player. It's offensive player. It's offensive player. The defensive players, I mean, look, some of the safeties on this list alone, Darren Woodson, Troy Polamalu, uh, Steve Atwater, Bob Sanders, Rodney Harrison are on this list. Like, Rodney Harrison, I mean, you're talking about one of the hardest-hitting safeties ever. And again, but again, it's a defensive player, so why in the world should we care? But, I mean, <laughs> no one's talking about the tight end position. Yeah. You know, Keith Jackson, one of the first true hybrid guys that, that we've seen. He was tremendous at Oklahoma, came into the league and, and was excellent with the Eagles and then went on to the Dolphins. Dallas Clark, another one of the Indiana another one of the Colts guys. Brent Jones <laughs> was a part of those 49ers offenses that wreck shop. Um Wesley Walls was a fantastic tight end uh for three different teams. You know, he was good with the Saints, good with the Panthers. Um how did Jeremy Shock get to this? He list? should not be on this yeah, that, Jeremy Shock he's on this list. I mean I get it from a he's not uh I would say Shockey is more in that Gale Sayers era uh uh you know arena but because let's be honest Shockey was a was a dog you know when he got in right his numbers don't you know his numbers are are what they are too if you look at from where he where he was as a tight end you know in comparison to his contemporaries he was legitimately a threat he played what Four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and two-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah. when he started his career, he was an animal. He was arguably he one was, of the he best He was Gronkowski before Gronkowski. The, right. Exactly. Right. Giants take him in the first round. He lived up to it. But after he messed up his knee in 07 and the Giants didn't return with him, his, then ga- he, his game yeah. kind of went downhill. And he lost his damn mind. Yeah. He, but ran- he, he was a big reason why the Saints got to the Super Bowl. I was going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I was going to say he revamped a little bit in the Saints for maybe a season or two, but then the game never returned to where it was. Real right. quick before we move on to patience or panic here, the next segment, special teamers. Anybody you think on Absolutely. the special Absolutely. Because, first yes. of all, yeah. how is Josh, why is Josh Cribbs on this I'm list? I'm glad you he, brought that he's up. He's a great special teamer, though. But everyone talks about Steve Tasker. But let's talk about who leads this this list in Brian Mitchell, the yeah. Raging Cajun. He should be Bring it up. The, the, <laughs> the, the special team that gets in. 
You can make a case for for Cribs. You know, Cribs was a you know dominant special teamer. You can make a case for Tasker, uh, dominant special teamer. Johnny Bailey, the late Johnny Bailey, was a good one. Um, Mel Gray was a great one too in New Orleans and also in Detroit. But Brian Mitchell is yes, he's the guy I think should get in. And I, yeah. Brian Mitchell changed the game when it came to returning the football. He's the second best return man in NFL history in my mind, only behind the great Devin Hester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 100%. You had a plan for a special teamer. I feel like if you have a game plan for a special teamer, you have somebody you have to worry about, then that is somebody who should be considered for this type of uh, type of acknowledgement. And then you look, I mean, even like you, even the kickers, David Akers mm-hmm. is in here. Jason Elam's in here. He had a great career. Uh, the punters, Jeff Fiegels, Reggie Roby is in this list. Again, Sean t- Landetta was a great one. With 20 spots up for grabs. You gotta get at least two or three punters or kickers or special team guys in this list. Yeah, you have to. I think we'll see a lot of it be uh the um senior committee players. Yeah. And you will see them also, I think, clear up a little bit of this backlog with special teams. So you may see Tasker and Mitchell go in um in this class. We'll certainly keep an eye they, on that. Because that's a place where they've been, you know, like you said, they they kind of stay away from that. It's, it's right. like it's yeah. like linemen. You kind of right. like they kind of oh, we don't want to put in the linemen because nobody knows. The and you don't want to you don't want to think that you know guys should be personalities so that way you remember them. Uh, you hope that people voting for this list can remember how great of a player Willie Anderson was, yeah, or um, you know Richmond Webb was with the Dolphins. You hope people remember that. Um, otherwise, they shouldn't be voting. But Leslie O'Neill, a great defensive end like that. Dude was Mr. Charger before, uh, you know, in before, the midst of Seau was was there. He was playing with Seau. Before Seah. Tomlinson, yeah. But but Leslie O'Neill was a fantastic defensive end. You know, he was one of those guys you had to worry about. So, I you know, I hope they they have a tough job. Yes. Because you can't just. It's you, still going to be difficult regardless with twenty spots. Right. And we're not going to all agree on the twenty that get in. Right. But that's a good problem to have because you have so many great players. Yeah, I've been waiting, patiently waiting for Mitchell to go in. Because for the past number of seasons, I'm like, okay, when, when are they going to put him in? Because once he gets in, that pretty much just solidifies that when Hester is up, definitely not first ballot because no no way special teams is getting in first ballot. Maybe right. not purely for a, few a years. special team. Yeah, purely a special teams. But once Mitchell gets in, then you know that eventually Hester will make it. Herschel Walker, I mean, just get him in the Hall of Fame. That's all I'm saying. Just get him back in the Hall of Fame. Again, folks, this is the uh, NFL All-32 podcast here from, from uh, Football Game Plan. David Hasek and uh, Troy, Anthony, Anthony Marinoni, and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, with you here. <laughs> I just had a complete... Alex Marinoni. Alex Marinoni, right. Tell me twice. This is, <laughs> three times going to be a problem. Hey, I, I, got it, I got it right last week. I'm two out of three. It's fine. Let's move into our next segment before we talk about the week three games here. Let's talk about the panic button. And whether or not it should be pressed. Because we're only two weeks into the season. It's very, very early on. But there are some teams fans that are already slamming the panic button. Saying, help, get us out of here. Who should be panicking and who should be more patient? I'm going to start with this with my patience team. My patience team is the New York Jets. Yes, didn't get off to a good start in week one. Sam Darnold, obviously with mononucleosis, he's going to be out. It sounds like at least until maybe week five. You've got the early bye week in week four, and you have a guy in Trevor Simeon, Troy, you mentioned, a guy with consistent starting experience. You know you still have the weapons. Obviously, was out, but you still have Bell. You still have a lot of weapons at the wide receiver and tight end position, and the defense will get better. It can't be as nearly as bad as what it was before. I think the Jets fans, I mean, this happens every year. The Jets usually start well. They didn't start well this year. And then week four turns around and the season's over. 
It's not done yet. We still might see Sam Darnold. As for the panic button, Pittsburgh. Gotta be Pittsburgh. You've lost you lost your two biggest offensive weapons. And now with the news coming today that Ben Roethlisberger's out for the season, what's left? There's not much in Pittsburgh to build around. They're 0-2 already. If it gets any worse, the fans might start volunteering to go down the field and play for them. It's getting that bad. Pittsburgh, not in good shape right now. See, I will disagree with you on that one. And actually, Pittsburgh is my patience team. Okay, tell me why. You know, because you lose Ben Roethlisberger this year. Um, Obviously, you're without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. However, find me tape of a losing season under Mike Tomlin with Pittsburgh. That is the one thing that they can rely on now. If Tom, As long as Tomlin doesn't get sick or hit by a bus or something like that, that's why I'm saying you got to exercise patience because they have great coaches. Now, Grant, they lost one in the offseason, uh, you know, passed away, their receivers coach. Mm-hmm. But I would trust the coaching staff to figure out a way to be competitive. You know, if they can still manage to get eight and eight, we've seen this team do that um, because they are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tomlin is a great coach, hasn't had a losing season. So I would exercise patience for them. Now, where I'm hitting the panic button, Chicago, because we've seen situations like this before where great defenses that don't get help from their offense. And it's not like they're devoid of talent offensively in Chicago. They got some playmakers on offense. They just don't have the difference maker at QB in Trubisky. And it is now looking like the the coach is starting to attach even more training wheels to Trubisky because he realizes, like, man, I let him do his thing last year, and I thought he was going to improve. And now after week one, we saw him not be the guy. So we're going to put the clamps on him in week two, have him throw all check downs. If we can't trust him moving forward, this defense is going to start to get frustrated. They're going to start to point their finger at the offense. We've seen this with Minnesota with Christian Ponder. We saw this back in the 90s in New Orleans with the Saints Dome Patrol and their offense uh, that couldn't, you know, get out of their own way. The Saints were winning games 13-9. Couldn't get any offense going. And players will tell you, if that Saints team had any offense, San Francisco will tell you, if they had any offense, that team would have won three Super Bowls. Um, so I would hit the panic button in Chicago, but keep patience with, with Pittsburgh. No, I respect that Pittsburgh uh, point. I've been extremely critical of them. That was with Ben Roethlisberger on the quarterback, but we'll see what Mason Rudolph can do in his second year. My panic button. No surprise here, and they might have been panicking already, but i got to hit it extra hard for the New York Giants. They just <sighs> look absolutely terrible. Terrible. Offense can't get anything going. The defense is looking like Swiss cheese. Now, we know that their defense is extremely young, but there were multiple plays in this game. One with Cole Beasley, where when he caught the ball, there was literally no defensive backs within the screen. And the screen was about a 20-yard radius. (laughs) I don't don't think think it's even Swiss cheese. I think it's no cheese. I think it's just air. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, Dallas carved him up. Now Josh Allen carved him up. That's, now if you have if you have the, a quarterback in his second year who his rookie year only completed 52% of his passes, tearing you to pieces, there's a bigger problem than what you thought it was from the beginning. We thought that we were going to be, maybe see some issues on the offensive side of the ball coming in for the Giants this year because, you know, obviously Eli's not getting any younger. We knew Saquon's going to be good, but we knew a lot of problems with the wide receiver position. So that's not totally unexpected, but I can see where you're coming from with the defensive side of the ball because we at least thought, okay, now they're going to be fine. Now that number six pick taking a quarterback instead of a certain linebacker is uh, looking a little interesting. Now. Yep. <laughs> oh, 
Alex. So well, you got your name right that time. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, my panic button, this is a bit of a stretch because they have a very, very good team. My oh. panic button is going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh. The reason why is because they need to be worried about their quarterback position. Your $30 million man just threw a game away. And you, now you did have some missed kicks in that game. The game could have been a different score. But when it comes down to it, you had about four minutes left in the game against your division rival, who's now 2-0. and You allowed to be 2-0. and And your $30 million quarterback just threw the game away. This is a guy who could, you could blame was part of the, or the majority of the reason why this team wasn't a playoff team again. And now that he's, he's their problem now for the next couple of years because you paid him all this money, they might fall into a trap, especially, God forbid, Dalvin Cook were to go down again because we know he's prone for that. Um, now my patience team is going to go to the Carolina Panthers and that okay. fan base. Yep. Um, <laughs> Mostly the fan base. Yeah. Uh, Cam Newton – He's coming off these surgeries like we brought up before, and we saw it with Andrew Luck that it takes some weeks to get going, and then we all know what Cam Newton is. He's been able to keep games close with playing a shell of himself. Cam Newton will get right, and the offense will get right, and it helps to know that it may take a couple of weeks for Teddy Bridgewater to get acclimated to the Saints offense where they may slip a game or two in the uh, NFC South. So this is the perfect time for the Panthers and for Cam Newton to get right and to take a stride in this division. How long do you think he has, though, in terms of a safety net for Cam Newton? At what point in the schedule do you say, wait a minute, he's not right completely? Well, I mean, until you see it on his body language, you see the way he's playing. But if he starts to get better and they don't get wins, I mean, it all goes by the record at that point. But uh, it, you just have to see. I mean, it, it is concerning to see that he's not even trying with his legs a little bit to yeah. extend the play and do that. So you could tell he's, he's – I'm not going to say he's scared, but that he, he just doesn't want this to be a worse injury than it is and linger on. But um, it's just a wait and see. We have to see if, what he's going to do coming forward if he's going to get stronger. You also don't have much behind him with Kyle Allen and Will Greer either. That's, so you don't have a lot of experience behind him on the roster. i got to touch back on my patience pick. My patience pick, I'm going to have to go with the Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Now, okay. yes, you are 0-2 right now at this point. But in those two losses, you put faced off against two very good teams. Yes. You lost to the Kansas City Chiefs by only 14 points when your starting quarterback was lost for presumably the season. He may come back. We'll have to Week see. Week 11, I think they said, is when he's eligible to come back. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll right. see how, how Minshew is doing at that point. Because Minshew, a rookie, comes in for you, takes the starting job, and he's playing well. You Your defense holds a Texans offense who just had a shootout with the Saints – to only 13 points and you yeah. have matchups coming up that are definitely winnable games you have the titans next week who lost to the colts after that you have the broncos panthers saints without breeze the Bengals, and the jets have a little bit of patience with your team because we know what that defense can be and the receivers which was the question mark in this offense coming into this season are stepping up a little bit chris Connolly, chark stepped up and you're gonna get lee back yeah that's for sure we'll keep an eye on that so again it's only week two folks unless you're a fantasy owner then you can panic, but you can still relax just a little bit. Again, folks, this is the NFL All 32 uh, podcast here presented by Football Game Plan. Let's get into the Week 3 games. Let's start with Thursday night, and it's those Jacksonville Jaguars on a short week back at home, but they're taking on the Tennessee Titans. This is a gettable game for the Jaguars. Tennessee, hot and cold so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a game that you're going to see. You're going to see Gardner Minshew take that next step in his progression. Uh, and this is against a perfect – and the Titans on the other end have a good test here. 
dropping a big game against the Colts in division. This is a good chance for them on the road to go get a win. Yeah, this is a game between two good defenses, but I don't think that the quarterbacks are going to have very good games this week. I think it's going to come down to the running game with Derrick Henry on one side of the ball and Leonard Fournette on the other. I want to say, was this the game last year Derrick Henry went off mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I had that so. big game? So it uh, should be a great matchup, for, like you said, between two talented tailbacks. Could the Buffalo Bills be looking at 3-0 and to start the season? They could easily do. They're going back home. They're facing the Bengals. This, uh, this is a great chance for Buffalo to really, really flip the script on everybody. Uh, the Bengals come off a very, very bad week after a very promising week one. Yeah. Uh, this is more for Andy Dalton in this offense to get right and to be able to go into a hostile environment and perform. Yeah, I'm going to need to see the Bengals bounce back in this one because this defense is going to be lights out against the Bengals, I think. And if Dalton isn't there to show up for them, this game is going to be a blowout. Yeah, defense versus this offensive line of Cincinnati could be a great opportunity, like you talked about, for Buffalo to go 3-0. Allen has quietly played winning football. Let's see if that continues, but their defense is phenomenal. Eagles back at home at the link, taking on the Lions. Lions got the win last week, didn't look overly impressive. Eagles trying to bounce back. Yeah, the Eagles are going to need Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey to get right in this, or else the Lions can keep it close and might be able to steal one. Uh, they just pulled up they just came up short on Sunday night without those receivers we'll see what they do whether they're there or not yeah the Eagles had a, a number of injuries last night and that definitely played a, a toll towards the end of the game especially having Nelson Aguilar having to take all the reps without Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson but this line I think that the Eagles can still get to the Lions because I don't think the Lions are that good of a team this year yeah we'll learn a lot about the Lions offense in this game and I think the biggest matchup they'll have to win is up front offensive line versus one of the better defensive lines in the league in Philadelphia let's move on to the next game here when things go bad to work for the Jets they really do you lose the first game then you lose your quarterback and we don't know what's going to happen on Monday night but now they go to New England in week three what happens in this ball game uh, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, <laughs> um, you just you have to hope they play winning football and they play inspired football and they step up specifically the defense. You keep yourself in the game. Uh, not going to ask for so many turnovers because Tom Brady doesn't do that, but just limit them, hold them to field goals, and that's your only shot. Who knows if Darnold is going to be ready for this game? Regardless or not, it's in Foxborough. What's what's more to say? It's it's going to be the Patriots. Well, it all depends on for me. You know what happens. Monday night, but let's just say projecting forward, if everyone stays healthy, it's going to have to be a lot of Le'Veon Bell ball control and hopefully pressure defense to break them out those uh, easy tendencies that we've seen from New England to hit the short passes and things of that nature. Raiders at the Vikings, two teams still looking for their footing here in the early going. Must win game for the Vikings almost in the early going. Without a doubt. And you need to, this is the type of game where you, Kirk Cousins and that offense need to be explosive. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but they did light up the uh, uh, Raiders' defense. Uh, you need to see with all the firepower that the Vikings have uh, them to be able to do the same. Yeah, this Raiders team played good week one. They, they had a bad, like we mentioned earlier, bad quarter yesterday against the Chiefs. And if they can play the same defense for the rest of the game, or this upcoming week like they did for the rest of the game, the Raiders can squeak out a victory in this one. It's a pivotal game here. I think this is going to be one of those games where uh, people are going to be all in on Minnesota. And like you talked about, forget about Oakland being a really good football team. Quietly, they have played inspired ball uh, so far this season. Game that should be a primetime game, but it's at 1 o'clock. The Chiefs taking on the Ravens. 
This is going to be an absolute shootout. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a true test for Lamar Jackson. He took advantage of a not-so-great uh, defense in the Cardinals and whatever Miami is. Um, but he was able to do what he had to do. Now this is going to be a nice test to see if he could step up toe-to-toe in a real shootout. Yeah, it's nice to see that Mahomes is looking like he's the truth. But like he said, what is Lamar Jackson going to show in this Week 3 matchup? Probably against one an easier defense than last week. We know that the Chiefs defense isn't their strong point. Can Lamar Jackson keep up with that offense? National stage for Lamar Jackson for sure. Y'all act like we didn't see this game last year. Like this was a great game last year. Hey, that I'm just it saying. took like a Pat Mahomes fourth down miracle back across his body deep down the field to Tyreek uh, right? Ty, right to Tyreek Hill to see who uh, to to win that ball game and push it into overtime. Now this game doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Um, the Ravens are much better offensively. Defensively, we don't know because we saw what uh, what happened last week with the Cardinals, um, the passing game, and you know Kyler Murray was picking his choo- picking and choosing his way. You know they're still without Jimmy Smith on defense, so we don't know. This could be a shootout, or we could see both teams uh, kind of do what we saw last year, kind of play it close to the vest. So we saw this last year. Lamar handled himself well. We'll see what defense shows up in this one to be honest but remember that was last year when lamar jackson was a fluke and a running back at the quarterback position so that <laughs> now all of a sudden he's a quarterback and he's really good yeah it's funny because people forget that he threw the well then was the game winning touchdown uh in the end zone mm. to john brown uh mm. before the defense collapsed on fourth down so too bad this doesn't happen later on in the season because it'll easily be flexed but this is going to be a 1 o'clock game that everybody's going to be watching. Hashtag haters. Anyway, let's move on. The Colts <laughs> looking really good under Jacoby Brissett. They take on the Falcons to look much better in Week 2. Yeah, and I think this is a game more so for the Falcons to not fall. It was definitely a big emotional win against the Eagles as a primetime game. This is the type of game where then you roll over into the next week mm-hmm. and you come out flat. And I think this is a good chance for the Colts to take advantage of that and continue to roll. Yeah, I think this is a big game for the Colts to prove to not only themselves but the rest of the league that they're serious. You know, uh, they they came out in one week uh, this week, but lost the previous week. So everybody has a lot of question marks: Are they for real or not? It's time to prove themselves. Yeah, I'm talking about Indy's ability to run the football. Last week we saw, or two weeks ago we saw it with Marlon Mack. Last week we saw Jordan Wilkins. Um, they're getting multiple guys involved. Can Atlanta find themselves? Uh, a running game. We saw their defense step up and pick off Carson Wentz twice. Uh, guys that are not known to intercept balls and true fine had two. Um, so we'll see what offense for the Falcons shows up this week because I thought Alex made a great point about this is the type of game we can come out flat. Demise of Aaron Rodgers maybe a little bit pre-predicted here. The Packers looking good so far. They take on the Broncos. Yeah, this game is a game that is make or break, in my opinion, for Joe Flacco. This guy's a veteran. You got to be. You're a guy that's won a Super Bowl. This is a game that you need to be able to step up and get yourself 20 plus points in your mind. You have to think, I'm going into Lambeau, going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's looking better. I need to put up 20 plus in order to keep up. Is there a such thing as a trap game by week three? <laughs> I think so. I think we've already talked about one. <laughs> I think this can be another for the Packers. You know, coming out strong, they're two and zero, two good victories, and the Broncos are kind of flat right now sitting at 0-2 but we know what this defense has potential to be and if Flacco can get something rolling this offense definitely has weapons this is a dangerous game for the Packers I think uh, it's going to be a defensive battle because we've seen the Packers defense we've seen the Broncos defense Flacco had what looked to be the winning touchdown drive last week against the Bears so should be a great game I I like both defenses in this matchup let's move on to a game where uh 
Well, when Alex told me the line for this game, I was in shock that this was an NFL contest and not Alabama versus someone <laughs> out of the Sun Belt. Cowboys taking on the Dolphins. What's the line on this game, Alex? Minus 21. Tough. In an NFL game. What hope does Miami have? Do they have to cut the bus brake lines on the Cowboy bus on the way to the stadium? Is that what this is? Uh, 100%. <laughs> That's it. No. Uh, what you need to see out of Miami is um, – uh, just heart. You got to see guys that actually like playing football because you're. It's one thing to be home, lose, and then go into your, go into hang out in the Miami, uh, in Miami downtown and play. You're going into Dallas, and this is a real um, Super Bowl contending team like the other two teams they just played. But on the road, I, I want to see Josh Rosen. I mean, I'm sick of it. Just let's see if that sparks <laughs> something for this offense. That's the only thing I could think of right now that might make. That might cover the spread. I'll say that. I think I think the biggest watch is see how many Dolphins might actually like walk out and refuse to go back on the field at halftime anyway. <laughs> you sound like uh, Gene Hackman in the replacements over there. <laughs> oh. you got to have heart. It's miles it. and miles of heart. Heart? Yeah. I what, what can you ask for more out of the Dolphins? Can I see a drive from Fitzpatrick? <laughs> you know, like, can can I we just, see some heart? Can I see them put together a drive? Because they really didn't do that at, oh. at all against the Patriots. And this Cowboys defense is is lights out. I mean, we know all the talent they that they have. Will the Dolphins be able to put up a point? I don't know, man. <laughs> At some point, Pryor got to kick said. in. Pryor has to kick in for exactly. Miami, and they, and they have to step up and play well. Otherwise, it could be more of what we saw the last two weeks. Dallas offense can't put up 50 or 40 points uh, like we've seen so far this season. This is a tough matchup for Miami. Let's keep rolling along here into the 4 o'clock games. Giants at Bucks. Could this be the game we see Daniel Jones with significant time? If they struggle in the first half, it might happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Buccaneers had a good uh, week last week uh, with a big win against Carolina. But this is a game where if you're the Giants and you're coming into the season thinking that you're probably not going to be competing for the division, this is the type of game you need to win. This is the type of game that you should be able to compete. And if Eli struggles in this one the offense flutters, there's no reason why you don't see Daniel Jones. Yeah, if, if there is one for the Giants to get within the first few weeks, this is the one because you're going up against Jamins, you know, the turnover machine. Yeah. And if these DBs and this D-line can't get to Jamins, they're going to have a hard time the rest of the season. They're, they're already going to have a hard time the rest of the season, but if they can't get to him, then they have even more problems. Tough matchup for the Giants because the defense of the Bucks seems to be for real this year. and. Uh, we'll learn a lot about the Bucks. I mean, sorry, the Giants' defense because they have to find a way to to get better on the back end, communicating, and also getting to the quarterback. Panthers at Cardinals. Kyler Murray struggling in his first couple of games. Is this his coming out party? It could be. Uh, Kyler Murray, although struggled, has put up the numbers and has looked good and kept his team in the game. This is the type of game where if the Cardinals can limit Christian McCaffrey, similar to what the Bucks were able to do, they have a chance to defend the home and win this game. Yeah, we've seen it the the for both games the first two weeks where the Cardinals offense just doesn't have it in the first half and then something happens in the second half where it's a spark of life and they just can't pull it off towards the end. So I'm looking for them to get stuff rolling in the first half. This way it's a game throughout the whole game. Kingsbury has to get better in the red zone because he has his play calling last week against Baltimore was left a lot to be desired. I felt as though they left a lot of touchdowns on the field, which could have got them the win against the Ravens. Let's move on to the 49ers taking on the Steelers. Two teams going in polar opposite directions. Do the Steelers have any hope in this game, or is the Niners just going to dominate this one? Well, I'm not too sold on the 49ers just yet. It was a big win, but it was Cincy, and Cincy has that type of knack of playing really well and not playing well at all. So uh, we don't know if this that 49ers was a real, real big-time win or if that was just 
what I said with Cincy. Uh, the Steelers have a lot to answer here. What can Mason Rudolph do? And what I'm going to be, sh- I'm going to be um, interested to see what they do with the offense with him at Underhelm. I think that this Niners defense has played lights out for the first two weeks, and they continue that in week three against Mason Rudolph. Uh, I think in the long run, Mason Rudolph will be decent, but seeing a defense that's played like this in his first start, it's it's going to be tough on him. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but again, until I see Mike Tomlin lose complete control of a football team in a season to have a losing season, I would be more along the lines of believing that they can get this thing turned around. It should be an interesting game. Let's move on to the next one here. Seahawks taking on the Saints. New Orleans felt wronged again by another call yesterday. I don't know what the fans are going to think going to Seattle, but the Seahawks have looked good. Yeah, the Seahawks definitely looked good last week, um, but I want to see Teddy Bridgewater uh, get more acclimated to this offense and do something. This isn't the same Seattle defense. I want to see him play a little bit better and uh, definitely take ownership of this offense now. I want to see Seattle get to quarterback. They have to get to Teddy Bridgewater. This should be a good game. The 12th man will be there. I think that defense is going to make noise for the Saints, and it's going to be tough for them. I want to see the receivers of New Orleans step up and, and show themselves to be legitimate threats, not only just short, intermediate, but also deeper down the field. Let's move on to the last of the 4 o'clock games. Chargers taking on Texans. This could be a real defensive struggle. Yeah, these two teams need to answer the bell right now. In this one, uh, it's all about Deshaun Watson for the Texans. You need to step up, and he needs to be uh, not 13 points, uh, coming out last week. I know it's a good Jacksonville defense. I need him to step up and see more if he wants to be a real uh, real player in the AFC. I need to see the Texans' running game step up. We know that the passing game is there. If the running game becomes more of an, a threat and an aspect so that they can't just drop everybody in the secondary, this Texans' offense can go off even more. Although Watson has run really well this so far this season. They need to give Duke Johnson the football more so than Carlos Hyde, but I need the Chargers to not lay an eight. You know, they came out looking <laughs> flat last week, and they can't have inconsistent play in a, in a season where they may have Super Bowl aspirations. Another primetime game for the Browns. Again, we don't know what happened on Monday night against the Jets, but next week at home, Sunday night against the L.A. Rams. Critical game for Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Uh, we're not going to know what happens after for Monday night, but um, assuming everybody's there, uh, we're going to need to see Baker step up in against a real competitor in the, uh, in the Rams who looked good last week. Yeah, I mean, we can all be consistent with the Baker mentality, but the Browns' defense as well, because we know what this Rams' offense can be. McVay is just going to send them through nightmares, but Denzel Ward in that defense, Garrett, is going to have to step up big against this Rams' offense. Yeah, the Rams' offense was outstanding, but I thought their defense did a great job last week against New Orleans. Let's see if they can step up to the challenge once again against a team that poses a lot of the same threats uh, schematically in the Browns. And next week, Monday night, two teams that are kind of sputtering. Redskins hosting the Bears. What are we looking for? Uh, Case Keenum has to be able to keep games close. The difference here is Mitchell Trubisky um, is not Dak Prescott and is not Carson Wentz. So can Mitchell Trubisky take that step and put up the points on the Redskins? Because if not, Case Keenum might keep this game closer than they like. Not only does Trubisky have to get rolling, but Nagy needs to get these running backs rolling. Last season, when the Bears did good, their running backs were doing good. It was the combo of Howard and Cohen. Now they have Cohen, Davis, and Montgomery. Subtract more of Davis, get Montgomery and Cohen rolling, and the Bears' offense will get rolling. want to see the Redskins' defense step up and, and be much more consistent than what we saw last week against the Cowboys. This is a good defense on paper. Can they play like it, especially Josh Norman having to have a big game? 
That'll do it, folks, for the NFL All 32 podcast for our week three preview. Again, if you want to listen back on this podcast on demand or any of our previous podcasts here from Football Game Plan, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section for iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can listen to those on demand. Again, we are on the Game Plus Network where we have pro and college coverage uh, that you can enjoy, as well as footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash football game plan i've been david hasagan with alex marinoni troy anthony and emery hunt this are the playbook thanks for listening in we'll see you for next week